But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their word will eat as does a canker, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Shaul, 2 Timothy 2, 16-18 The Unexpected Cosmology, Episode 8 Did Yahusha return in 70 AD? I think we missed the resurrection. And also, the Watchers were released. The Watchers stood back and observed their loved ones. The giants, whom they had begotten with the daughters of men, kill each other off in a war of the titans. And then Yahuwah bound them under the hills and the valleys of the earth, where they were to remain in total darkness for seventy generations. Seventy generations until the release. That's a long time to think. The text reads as follows, And Yahuwah said to Michael, Go! Bind Sam Jazza and his team who have associated with women and have defiled themselves in all their uncleanliness. When their sons have slain one another and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones, bind them fast for seventy generations under the hills of the earth until the day of the consumption of their judgment and until the eternal judgment is accomplished. In those days they shall be led off to the abyss of fire and to the torment and the prison in which they shall be confined forever. Enoch 10, 11-13 70 generations. Are we looking at 70 times 70? 70 jubilees? Or is a generation the length of a man's life? I'm not going to do exact math, and there's reasons for that. But know this, the incursion happened somewhere in the time frame of a thousand years before the flood. When the floodwaters eventually came, Enoch was already long gone, 700 years by my count. If we're going by an official timeline, then give or take a few decades, their release happens to land somewhere in the 19th century. And this is by official time estimates. Let's just say, for sake of argument, it's the year they tell us is 1812. On the day my grandmother died, I remarked, she was born while mankind was still fighting wars on horseback, and yet she lived to see not only man landing on the moon, but the internet. Disregard the moon quip. It's... <laughs> it is a minor fallacy. It happened as part of the deception, and the point still stands. In the 19th century, something happened. Within the lifespan of only two or three generations, the world was introduced to evolution, theosophy, transhumanism, spiritism, tongue babbling, kundalini, new ageism, a hundred codex sinaiticus bible translations, eugenics, the spiraling double helix DNA, scientism, archaeology, Nietzsche, Freud, space itself, deep space telescopes, satellites, flying saucers, aliens, science fiction, the atomic age, biochemical weapons, germ theory, 
vaccines, world wars, Zionism, communism, the CIA, movies, transistor radio, television, MK Ultra, computers, video games, the internet, performance, witchcraft, and alchemy on a worldwide stage, and I've barely begun to dig in. Still, <laughs> some of you just can't help yourselves. After learning about the fake moon landings, the Federal Reserve, chemtrails, fluoride, vaccines, chip implants, 5G, warring bloodlines, 9-11, and any number of false flag attacks or hoaxes like the Gulf of Tonkin, crisis actors who keep showing up at a different psychodramatic exercises intended to social engineer us into MK Ultra zombies, the CIA's hand in music and television and sexuality and women's rights and family life and practically everything, how space is fake, the earth is not a globe, Antarctica is the edge of the earth, and the firmament is a solid dome above us. Stars are identified with living beings. The germ theory is a lie. Evolution is a lie. Giants and probably mythological beings are real. The gods war over us like chess pieces. Scientism and the occult are happily wed. The mysteries surround us. Real history is buried and fake history is written as textbook reality. They lied about the Bolshevik Revolution. They lied about the fact that the United States is in actuality a corporation and money isn't even real and Abraham Lincoln actually sold us all into slavery to the state. How the Georgia Guidestones and the United Nations want us all dead and are actively going about to make it happen. Pedophilia and satanic ritual abuse are everywhere. Entertainment and politics alike are as scripted as a media teleprompter, and the world is one big stage, and Zionism and Freemasonry and the Roman Catholic Church and the Jesuits and the Illuminati and other secret societies like Skull and Bones rule the world, and most importantly of all, it's all ultimately run and managed from the top by Hasatan. And after rightly concluding how the kings and the sovereigns of the earth are conspiring against Yahuwah, the Most High, and want him dead, some of you simply need more Trump. Admit it, you can't get enough Trump in your life. There's simply not enough of him to go around. Several months ago, I seem to recall that Trump announced he was cutting funds with the World Health Organization or something to that effect. Yet another twist in the plot, the same tired script, and suddenly I had people jumping out of my own shadow. It's like they were purple in the face and couldn't hold their breath any longer. Gasping wildly for relief, they blurted out, Aha! Boom shakalaka! Checkmate, Noel, you're wrong! The government is here to... <laughs> the government is here to help us. What do you think of that? Oh dear. <laughs> the indoctrination runs deep. Should I talk to your hand and explain this all again? Like the Big Bang cosmology of an Ouroboros, sometime in the 19th century, the mysteries of heaven simply exploded upon the earth. Before throwing them into the darkness the first time, Yahuwah gave Enoch the following message to tell them, You have been in heaven, but all the mysteries had not been revealed to you, and you knew worthless ones, and these in the hardness of your hearts you have made known to the women. And through these mysteries, women and men work much evil on the earth. Enoch 16.3 Seventy generations. Ironically, right about the time when the book of Enoch was being rediscovered, this shouldn't surprise us, since Enoch opened his book by warning his reader, And I heard everything from them, and I saw and understood, 
but it was not for this generation to know, but for a remote one which is to come. Enoch 1-2 Then again, calculations may prove impossible to do. In fact, I believe that they are. The entire timeline has been hijacked. As ironic as this may seem, the phantom time hypothesis is seeming far more reliable than any timeline the official narrative has ever given. For example, I am highly critical that the Middle Ages ever happened at all. Its invention, whereas everyone was dumbed down, dirty, illiterate, and sad for several hundred years, is spoon-fed to us as the Dark Ages and then regurgitated over and over again so as to hide a much greater truth. Maybe Tartary. Perhaps we really are only 1,000 years removed from Messiah. Who really knows? And besides, the whole Anno Domini debacle we find ourselves in, which was first invented by a man named Dionysius Exigus in about AD 525 by his own count, was probably an attempt by the Roman Catholic Church to disguise Yahuwah's history and the timeline of Messiah's return. My entire point being, we have no possible way of knowing what of official history is actually true, much less what hour we're truly living in. This wasn't an easy conclusion to come to, but I've accepted that fact now. They tell us scripture is invented and doctored by a later generation, and so I return my gaze upon them. It is they who have doctored everything. Their first big deception, once the Watchers were released from prison, is to massage human history, perhaps even completely rework it. Something happened in the mid-19th century. Let's just call it a reset. One might even wonder if the release coincided with, and may in fact have even caused, the worldwide mud floods. True history is being hidden from us. Mud floods. Perfect time for a reset. A thousand-mile drive gives a man plenty of time to think. It's only the second occasion when I've accomplished that task in my lifetime. In 19 hours, we covered seven out of the 50 states, 10 total on our driving trip. North Carolina, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and finally, South Carolina. My wife and I wanted to see America again, one last time before they potentially close it down for good. Execute Agenda 2030. On a Sunday, empty churches with erected phalluses were displaying large signs normally reserved for sermon topics, but which now read, We comply with the CDC. Pathetic. Others declared, We love others by social distancing and wearing our masks. If I'm describing your building, then you need to come to terms with the fact that your pastors are hirelings and they've already sold you out to the beast. Your flock is being led by Freemason doctrine. Just about everyone we encountered were primed and ready for the mark. Except for those whom I know online, I cannot find another living soul who was awake to the reality of this situation. I've always pondered what it would take to deceive evangelical America, and this is it. The cure is almost upon us, and just about everyone will be lining up to drink the poison. 1,000 miles. New Jerusalem will be 1,500 miles long. The thought occurred to me somewhere in Arkansas. NASA tells us 
the Kármán line, which is the unofficial boundary marker of cosmic infinity, begins only 62 miles above our head. This places almost the entire city of New Jerusalem in a non-gravitational vacuum of outer space. I thought about its enormity of size as my eyes grew weary behind the wheel. If New Jerusalem were to set down upon the North Pole, then I could stand all the way across the motionless plane of the Earth, as far as Antarctica, and the city would still appear on the horizon larger than the moon. Also, despite the hundreds of communities I passed along the way, I only drove two-thirds of the city's length. Traveling the circumference of the entire city by today's standards would reasonably be one week's journey. I thought about the thousand years mentioned in Revelation, too. It goes something like this. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Afterwards, he will be released for a season, in order that he might deceive the world into surrounding the camp of Yahuwah, Gog and Magog. Revelation 20 in a nutshell. Those of you who are at least familiar with my work know I've heavily hinted at the possibility, and I stress possibility, if not fact, that Matthew 24 has already been fulfilled. The apocalypse happened right on schedule, precisely when Yahusha said it would. The extreme sense of urgency can be felt by Yaakov, Kepha, Yohanan, and the writer of Matthew. For references, James 5, 8 and 9, 1 Peter 4, 7, Matthew 10, 23, 16, 27, chapter 28, 24, 34. Yahusha said, all these things would be fulfilled in this generation, Matthew 24, 34. He said there were people who wouldn't taste death before all those things came to pass, Matthew 10, 23, 16, 27, 28, 24, 34. He told the high priest that he would see him in his glory, Matthew 26, 63 through 65, Mark 14, 61 through 63, and Luke 22, 67 through 71. He told his own disciples that they would not flee to every city in Judea before he came back for them. He didn't say some future generation would not flee to every city in Judea. He said that generation. Yahushua was the last prophet sent by Yahuwah. He constantly spoke of the Jews' disobedience and faithlessness to the Most High's Torah and therefore warned them, contextually, of the total destruction of Jerusalem. No other prophet did that. So why don't we believe his words to be true? We know the day of his appearing as 66 AD. The people of that century knew it as a very different year. Josephus, I know, likely documents the very event. You will tell me Titus Flavius Josephus was a Roman propagandist and a client for the Flavian dynasty and therefore cannot be trusted any further than you could throw an elephant. Indeed, Josephus was a spook from the very beginning. You don't emerge as the only sole survivor of a cave in Galilee after a bloody battle against Rome and become the emperor's right-hand man. That doesn't just happen. Spook. But here's the thing. Most refuse to believe the words of Yahushua anyway. Everything he spoke of was fulfilled in that generation because he said it would be. There were many who did not taste death. Try not to let cognitive dissonance win the day. That being said, I have little other choice but to get my hands dirty and source a Roman whore. But not all is lost. Josephus is no different than a Wikipedia article. 
You too can use official spook literature to rip apart the false realities which they bound us to and catch the Luciferians at their own folly. For example, we can use Josephus to prove Rome and the Zionists are lying to us about the location of the temple. We'll save that for another episode. To sum it up, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is really Fort Antonia, and the Zionists all know it. With Josephus, they slipped up. So pay attention to his other account, completely snubbed by Rome and the church today. In the year we know as 66 AD, countless witnesses all across Judea saw the armies of heaven descend in the clouds. Follow along. Josephus writes, On the 21st day of the month of Artemisius, or IR, a certain prodigious and incredible phenomenon appeared. I suppose the account of it would seem to be a fable, were it not related by those that saw it, and were not the events that followed it of so considerable a nature as to deserve such signals. For, before sunsetting, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds and surrounding of cities. If what you just read doesn't somehow involve Yahusha in your own thinking, and I can only assume my audience believes Yahusha to be the son of the Most High Elohim, then you need to spend some time wrestling with what just happened. Or you could rest contented knowing that Yahusha's twelve did not write urgently in vain. The king fulfilled his promises just as he said he would, again. If the resurrection happened at that moment in time, and the righteous entered a thousand years of rest, it would explain why the church went apostate by the end of the first century. The sinners were left behind, with primarily only the message of the Christians of Antioch remaining. Also, why is there not one legitimate death witness to any of the apostles? I mean, the accounts of their deaths appeared hundreds of years later and are inexplicably shady. You'd think somebody would record, I was there. I saw Thomas speared down. I saw Bartholomew flayed and then beheaded. I saw Matthias stoned by cannibals. There are no witnesses, simply conjectures, almost all of them contradictory. If recognitions of Clements is in any way legitimate, then we cannot even accept Kepha's crucifixion account in 64 AD because he and Zacchaeus, among a host of loyal followers, escaped over the River Jordan after Shaul had Yaakob thrown from the Temple Mount. Yeah, the same Shaul. You have to wonder why they didn't like the guy. Let's just say this would have been one of the biggest cover-ups in history. After the satanic elite saw Yahusha in all his glory, they would have been like, oh shit, this guy is legit. He's coming back again. We've got to stop him. We've got to do whatever we can to blind people from knowing about what actually happened and build rocket ships and atomic bombs, anything, to ascend to the heights and murder him. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Rome had countless books buried or destroyed in order to achieve their purposes. It only makes sense that they would. Also, space is fake and nuclear bombs are a hoax. The burning of the library at Alexandria is just a cover story. And I'm not simply talking about 66 AD either. We're talking about entire epistles and gospels, words from the prophets, first-hand accounts from those left behind, books whisked away, gone. In later centuries, one of St. Augustine's purposes was to destroy holy literature. 
nothing of the Nazarene has survived, and we know that the Catholic Church made war with the saints. But that's probably none of my business. Anyways, there are other historians who write about the curious events in AD 66, and they don't appear to be sourcing Josephus. So there you go, missing books. Consider the medieval Jewish historian Sefer Yosipan, who expounded upon the angelic army in the sky when writing. Moreover, in those days were seen chariots of fire and horsemen, a great force flying across the sky near to the ground, coming against Jerusalem and all the land of Judah, all of them horses of fire and riders of fire. Yosipan's account harkens us back to 2 Kings 6.17, whereas Elisha was protected by an army of angels, fully equipped with horses and chariots of fire. It also mirrors Isaiah in a surprisingly literal way. For behold, Yahuwah will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. Isaiah 66.15 If you are asking yourself, did I miss the second coming? Then rest assured this is the wrong question to ask. The term second coming is not found anywhere among the books we often call the New Testament. The Greek word, often translated second coming, is parousia. And though it does describe a present or coming, the term is used to denote the arrival of a conquering general, king, or emperor into a city for an extended stay, oftentimes for several months or years, before returning to his capital city. I need to stress extended stay because that's precisely what happened. Yahusha arrived in Jerusalem in order to conquer and destroy a wicked city, Jerusalem, Perusia. The temple was completely destroyed in 70 AD, so that not one stone remained. Yahusha personally saw to it. And another thing, Yahusha said he was coming in the clouds, just as Yahuwah had done to Egypt in Isaiah 19. Yohanan likewise wrote about his coming in the clouds, and that's precisely what happened. Yahusha came in the clouds in judgment. The temple priest, the Pharisee, and the Sadducee Essentially, everyone responsible for hanging Yahusha from a tree undoubtedly looked up to the clouds, saw the king of kings among the armies of heaven, and were like, ah, hell nah. Check this out. Matthew 24, 27 reads, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So, Perusia, Son of Man, and lightning would mark his arrival in the clouds. If you need non-scriptural proof among the eyewitness testimony of men that lightning did indeed mark his arrival, then I will direct your attention to the first century Roman historian Tacitus. His account of the armies in heaven differs slightly from Josephus, and it reads, In the sky appeared a vision of armies in conflict, of glittering armor. A sudden lightning flash from the clouds lit up the temple. The doors of the holy place abruptly opened. A superhuman voice was heard to declare that the gods were leaving it, and in the same instant came the rushing tumult of their departure. So, um, yeah. If you thought I was going too far in suggesting the resurrection of the saints occurred that very year, and am therefore relegated to one of Agent Shaul's profane and vain canker babblers in 2 Timothy chapter 2, which actually makes sense given the context, they were just reporting what actually happened, and Shaul was trying to shut them up. 
then I will once more return your attention to Agent Josephus. He actually documents the very event which Yohanan had described seeing in Revelation chapter 6 a few years earlier. In the War of the Jews, he writes, At that feast, which we call Pentecost of AD 66, as the priests were going by night into the inner temple, they felt a quaking and heard a great noise. And after that, they heard a sound as of a great multitude saying, Let us remove hence. You will potentially tell me that Revelation wasn't written until 90 AD because somebody who paid for their doctorate was really into dispensationalism and therefore gave you their educated guess. However, the largest proof that all of scripture was completed before 70 AD is that never once does anybody write, aha, <laughs> Yahusha's words came true, the temple was destroyed. That never happened. The closing pages of scripture which Antioch Christians later titled the New Testament for their own doctrinal purposes, never so much says that Yahusha's prophecies were fulfilled in that generation. Scripture ended with a sense of urgency and an unresolved tension, probably because there was nobody left behind to explain it. See what I mean? That is, except for Hymenaeus and Philetus, their words will eat as does a kinker. Anyhow, 1,000 miles behind the wheel, Missouri to South Carolina. 1,000 years, I thought. I'm not certain of much, but I am of Yahusha's words. You can snub, redefine, or avoid them all you want, but I'm tired of the doctrine. I'm taking them literally. If we miss the resurrection, then what are we still waiting for? New Jerusalem, of course. The good news is we haven't missed out on the eternal kingdom on earth. Yeah, you heard me right. 1,000 years. Been there, done that. They totally faked the additional millennia. Easy as the mud flood in Photoshop. But more on that some other time. Mud flood. <laughs> you were probably hoping I wouldn't go there, but it's too late. The shocking revelation of the mud flood theory isn't so much the thought that history was completely scrubbed and rewritten. The Twilight Zone ending is the fact that we've been living in Revelation chapter 20 for the last 200 years. After the thousand years, Satan is released from prison for a season. His purpose, to deceive the entire world again. That's us. We are the generation who've inherited lies. You can't force a round peg into a square hole. If you can find a better slot for the mud flood theory, be sure to let me know. We are told the beginning from the end, and Revelation fits. I had started out talking about the Watchers being released from prison and the whereabouts of 1812. Enoch chapter 54 documents the release, and once again, it fits. They sprung from their prison like a lion from its den and devoured the kings of the earth. We've been lied to about everything. Enoch tells us there were 200 watchers in prison within the hills and the valleys of the earth. He furthermore reminds us that they would be released after 70 generations. I believe that takes us up to the whereabouts of the 19th century. On a side note, have you ever contemplated how many meteor craters are identified above sea level? 190. Also, consider this. There are 195 recognized countries in the world today, which includes the UN non-member observer states, the Vatican and Palestine. It's a sizable stretch from the 70 nations which Yahuwah established after Babel. Close but no cigar? I don't know. You tell me. 
maybe a few of the Watchers got bumped off. Or they're running Langley in the secret societies. Call me crazy, but if you want to see the divine beings in person, then we need to look no further than those shape-shifting reptilians that keep showing up on our television screen. Queen Elizabeth, George H.W. Bush, Donald Rumsfeld, Mark Zuckerberg. You can do your own digging and fill in the rest. <laughs>